right. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Good to see you all here tonight. Looks like you wanted to go on a date with Jesus tonight, huh? All right. Great. Sweet. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Nancy. Pastor Tom, you're always such a blessing over here, wherever you went up. He's on the camera. Thank you so much, buddy. And then uh, Pastors Mark and Brenda, thank you so much for entrusting me with this pulpit. Um, I, uh, I really honor and respect this ministry, and it is always something that I step into uh, with the fear of the Lord to come behind this pulpit, not just to share ideas of man, but to share the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so happy tonight to have my beautiful wife with me, Evelyn. This is our first married Valentine's together. So we're going to celebrate tomorrow. And my parents joined us tonight, too. Hi, Mom and Dad. All right, well, let's open up with prayer. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and for your love. Hallelujah. Thank you for your powerful word and for your spirit that you have given us, marking us as a seal for eternity, being with us as a comforter, as a guide, and as a helper. Mighty God, we pray that you would glorify your name tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Mark and Brenda have been teaching the last several weeks. Um, Pastor Mark has been ministering on Sundays, powerful messages. He spoke on uh, our righteousness, the righteousness that we have in Jesus the Sunday before last. And then this past Sunday, he spoke on uh, daily dominion, I believe was the name of the title, and just learning how to reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus, learning how to reign in this life, which is what we're called to. It's what God had commissioned Adam and Eve to do right from the beginning. It's what Jesus came and he reestablished a relationship between us and God. And he says, look it, I'm the head, you're the body, go and exercise my dominion in the earth. And so very powerful messages. And then Pastor Brenda on Wednesday nights has been speaking about prayer and just some really rich teaching about how to connect with God through prayer and the different types of prayer so that we know how to pray correctly. You know, there's some prayers that you can pray multiple times and there's some prayers that you just pray once and you believe that God heard you and you don't use vain repetition. So she's been teaching and helping us to discern what kind of prayer fits where and how we come before God with those prayers. And so tonight is Valentine's. And so I was thinking we're going to go ahead and tie all of that together with Valentine's prayer and what Pastor Mark has been ministering on. And so the name of the message tonight is intimacy through prayer, intimacy through prayer. You know, God wants so much more than just for us to have knowledge about him. He wants us to have a real close relationship with him. You know, sep uh, sin separated us from God in the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? But we were not designed to be separated from God. God has always wanted to have a close and intimate relationship with us. And so we're going to explore that tonight. And I want to share with you guys our relationship with God is not just about knowledge. You know, I, got, I had the opportunity to go to Bible school. I went to Ramah Bible Training Center at the time. Now it's Ramah Bible College. But I went there in 2007, and I went there through 2010, and we received a lot of knowledge, a lot of great knowledge. But I'll tell you, we had all these classes lined up through the day, and then after Rama classes were over, there was something they had in the afternoon. When everybody was hungry and you just wanted to go to lunch, they had something very special in the afternoon at 1 o'clock, and it was called prayer school. And I would say... It was like, that's where the elites went. Those were like the Navy SEALs of the ones who went to Ramah. They're the ones that were really hungry because, you know, there's some things that are taught. And there was a lot of teaching that happened. 
And there was impartations that happened in the classrooms too. Some things are taught and other things are caught. You know, you know. There's some things that are caught. And I would say, even though I spend multiple hours in the morning going to school and soaking up knowledge, prayer school was only an hour long. But that was like the other half of my education. Because we were in prayer school, and not only are we learning things about prayer, but we are connecting with God. We're going places in the Spirit. And uh, the teacher at the time, the one leading it, her name was Miss Leanne Sosby. And powerful woman of God, a prophetess of God, and very anointed, and she could sing. I mean, she could sing really good. So it just made it so much easier to receive what she was singing and saying. But we were having experiences in the presence of God. And what it seemed like it was doing, it was taking all the knowledge that I was getting, and it was solidifying it in my heart. It was establishing it deep inside of me. It was so much more than just head knowledge. I was encountering the living word when I was in prayer school experiencing the presence of God and encountering the Lord and seeing that we can go places in the Spirit in prayer. And it impacted me so much. You know, we could go to church every week. We could go to church Sunday morning. You could find a church. This church used to meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There would be multiple services you can go to. You could watch services online. I know people, it's just all they're listening to on YouTube. They're just looking up all these different videos of preachers preaching, preaching, and teaching the Word of God. But we got to be careful that we don't just stop there. That we're not just satisfied having knowledge about God. Actually, 1 Corinthians 8.1, the second part of the scripture says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. You know, there's some people who could listen to the word of God and they could actually get prideful about it. You're like, that's the opposite of what the word is teaching you. And yet people could become so prideful about what they know. And they could think of themselves more highly than they ought. Because they're filling themselves up with a lot of knowledge. you got to make sure with that word, you're also allowing the Spirit of God to work in your heart. So you are implementing that word, right? And living it out. It's not just about having head knowledge. Actually, listen to what Jesus says, because he warns about this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 9. And because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to look at it in the TPT. That's the passion translation for Valentine's Day. So go ahead and check that out. It says, These people honor me only with, with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. Wow. You know, he's speaking to the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were people that were full of knowledge. They had so much knowledge about God, and yet they're missing it. And they're missing it big. And they're over there worshiping God, but when they're lifting their hands and they're worshiping, they're making sure everybody sees me. Look at, look at how holy I am. Look at, look at, look at how righteous I am. And Jesus did not like it. He said that they were like whitewashed tombs. That they're over there, they're painted white, but on the inside is dead men's bones. Wow. He called them a brood of vipers. Listen to this. In John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40, this is in the NIV. It says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are they, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Mm 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law, they had a lot of, what they had at the time was the Old Testament. They had it memorized. They could quote it. And here they are. They have all this scripture memorized, the word of God memorized. And yet the living word of God, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, full grown man, walking and speaking words like they'd never heard, declaring the truth of God with authority, laying hands on the sick and making them well, raising the dead, impossible miracles taking place. And they still could not recognize him as the son of God. They still could not recognize him as the Messiah. Because you know what? They just had a lot of knowledge that made them all puffed up. But they had no real relationship and connection with the king of glory. With God himself. And that is what God has called us to. And you know, we could look at the Pharisees and we could point our fingers at them. But I think when Jesus is speak to them, we should also be careful to look at ourselves and to look in our own hearts and to see, have I become pharisaical in some ways? Have I become religious in some ways where I'm just getting puffed up with knowledge and I'm looking down on other people who maybe aren't living as righteously as I am? Wow, that's a dangerous place to be. You do not want to be there. When you see yourself looking down on people... Jesus never did. Jesus, the woman caught in the act of adultery, right? Where are your accusers? Lord, there's no one. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He wasn't condoning sin, but he wasn't looking down on her and rubbing her face in it. He was calling her up out of it. The Bible says we who are mature should encourage and strengthen those who are caught in a fault. Right? We should raise them up. You should build them up, not rub their face in it, not come with condemnation, raise them up out of it. And it says, check yourself or you also might fall into sin as well. It's a slippery trap and we got to guard ourselves from it. And that stinky thing called pride, God does not like. Actually, you know what God does? He resists the proud. But you know what else he does? He gives grace to the humble. Amen. Amen. God wants a relationship so much more than just knowledge. He wants intimacy with us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And we'll check that out in the TPT as well, because it's Valentine's Day. All right. So um, it says, uh, well, we'll start off. How about let's start off in the New King James. Let's look at it in the New King James first. Great. I think they have it up there. All right. So it says, but God has revealed them to us. Wait a second. I want to start off in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. There we go. Thank you. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Nobody knows. Nobody knows it. And I'll tell you, that is where religion leaves it. Religion will keep you in the unknown. Religion will keep you far away from God. Religion will say that you're not good enough, for one. And then religion will also say, you could never know. And who knows the mysterious ways of God? And you know what? Maybe God wants you to be sick. And maybe God wants you to be poor. Maybe he's just working out his plan inside of you. Religion will keep you in the unknown and make God so far away that you could never know him. But that's not where God wants to keep you. Amen. That's not where he wants to keep us. So now we can look at uh, chapter 2, verse 10. And as that's up there, 
I want to share with you a quick definition of intimacy, taking after uh, Pastor Brenda. She loves definitions. So intimacy, one definition of intimacy is closeness. And I like this one that I've heard. Intimacy is like this. Into me, see. Into me, see. When you have intimacy with somebody, you can see into them because they open themselves up to you. And you open them yourself up to them. Amen? Amen. Intimacy. Intimacy. And you know what God wants with each of us? Intimacy. He wants you to open up yourself to him. And he wants to reveal his secrets to you. That's the God that we serve. And it's extraordinary. Now watch this. All right, we're going to look at this in the New King James first. It says... But God, this is after saying, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Now it goes into, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Who wants to know the deep things of God tonight? Come on, who wants to go deeper than just the surface? Amen. The spirit will reveal those deep things to you. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Let's look at that in the TPT. We got that grace in the TPT. We got NKJV. All right, here we go. TPT. It says, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Amen. That's coming up the same way up there, right? Yes. Yes, He has revealed to us His inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by His Spirit, the Spirit of God. Amen. And where is that Spirit? Where is the Spirit of God now? Hallelujah. Jesus said, it's better for your sake that I go. Because unless I go, the promised Holy Spirit will not come. But if I do go, I'm going to ask the Father and He's going to pour out His Spirit upon you. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Amen. Amen. Where he poured out his spirit. And you had Peter, who denied Jesus three times, is getting up and preaching. And thousands of people come to the Lord in one day. And he's preaching fire. He's preaching conviction. Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Unashamed and unafraid. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of each of you. For those of you who put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will quicken your body. He will quicken your mind. And He will reveal to you the thoughts and the secret things of the Father. It comes by the Spirit of God. Not just by knowledge. You know, part of the Holy Spirit, what He does is He reveals the knowledge of God. If you try to look into this Word and just try to understand it apart from the Spirit, a lot of people look at it and they just don't get it. Smart people don't understand this living Word of God. But when you open up this perfect law of liberty and your heart and your mind is lit on fire by the Spirit of God, then you could see the mysteries of God in here. Hallelujah. 
where it's not just religious teachings, but it's something that comes alive inside of you. And it's like a fire shut up in your bones. It's something where you start to become one with the word that you're reading when you're reading it in light of the spirit of God and his teaching. Amen. Amen. That's where God wants to take us. I'm going to skip down to, uh, let's see, let's go ahead and go down to verse um, 16. It says, for who has ever, are we in TPT? Okay, New King James. All right, we'll stay there with New King James. And it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's look at that in the Amplified Version. All right. So it says, for who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Hmm. That takes it a little deeper right there. When you hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of the heart of God. God wants it heart to heart. He wants deep calling to deep. He wants you not only to just know your thoughts, he wants you to know his thoughts. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. But we see here that he is calling us to think the thoughts of God, and to walk in the higher ways of God. Because he doesn't want you to do this life without him. He wants to do this life with you. And he doesn't want you living just like the world lives. He wants you living with Christ on the inside. He wants you living God inside minded. He wants you like Pastor Mark was talking about on Sunday, reigning in this life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Where life is not weighing down upon you, but you are reigning in life. Hallelujah. We're going to get to some fun stuff later on. I'm trying to hold myself back from it. Okay. So we could think God's thoughts. Also his feelings where you're not just feeling your feelings, but you begin to feel the feelings of God. Do you know God has emotions? Did you know that? Have you guys ever read through the, through the prophets in this Bible? If you read through the prophets, you're going to see, wow, God is very emotional. He's actually very emotional. And part of us being created in the image of God is having emotions. Did you know that? Man, when I was, when I was first starting to really walk right with the Lord, I just thought my emotions were just a pesky thing that kept getting in the way. And so I just kind of stomped them and I squashed them. And I didn't realize that in trying to fix myself, I, I messed myself up, actually. And, and I, I was numb. I knew the way I should respond, but I couldn't have a heart-to-heart with people because I had no empathy because I couldn't feel what they were feeling. God had to take me through this whole healing on the inside. It was, it was pretty amazing. There was a lot of tears shed in that, in that point. But it was like heart surgery. Yeah. And he showed me how, no, I never... All those, those negative emotions are not bad. They're not bad. It's not bad to be mad or to feel lonely. But I would think if God's my everything, then, uh, then nothing should affect me. If God's my everything, then it's not okay to feel sad. If God's my everything, then why should I feel sorrow or feel lonely? And it was a lack of understanding on my part. Because those emotions are part of us being created in the image of God. Your emotions are not something to follow. But they are kind of like a good thermometer for you. To find out how is my soul doing? 
If I'm irritable all the time, there's something going on in here, okay? If I'm frustrated, if I'm sad, if I'm feeling heavy, if I'm feeling these emotions on the negative side, you don't just squash them and roll them over and just keep going. You need to do a little introspection. Take it before the Lord. What is going on? Why am I so moved by these things in life? Because once you get into a place of real faith and real trust in God, then guess what? You're going to have peace that passes understanding. And it's real. It's not pretend. You're going to have joy, inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of glory. And you're going to know things are good. But you know what? When you're walking close with God, you're going to start to feel what He feels. Things that you used to laugh at before, you feel disgusted by. The way people were having fun, and maybe the way you had fun before, now when you're in the midst of it, you're like, I don't like it. Because you start to have wisdom to see the end of it. Things that you took pleasure in before, you, you no longer like it, you want nothing to do with it. Before, living a lifestyle of lust was just all fun and pleasure. But now you see the end of it, you're like, this is death, this destroys families, this will destroy me and destroy everyone around me. I don't want to play with this thing, I don't want it. The end of it is death. When you were so prideful before and you'd brag on yourself, and now when you hear it, you're just disgusted by it. And when you see it in yourself, it's so repulsive because you're starting to feel the way that God feels. You're starting to build real intimacy with God. And sometimes when, you, when you're starting on this journey and you start seeing these major changes inside yourself, you could almost be a little scared. What, who am I now? What has happened to me? I don't, I don't know what I would do now. If somebody spit in my face, I don't know what I would do. But I know what I would do before, but now I don't even know. <laughs> when God is just completely changing and rearranging everything inside of you, but He's conforming you to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. If this is just knowledge to you, there's not going to be real heart change. If it's just bouncing in your ears somewhere and never getting down into your heart, then you're not going to experience the passions and the thoughts and the feelings of God. You're not going to have a real heart change. It's all going to be outward willfulness if you do want to do the right thing to just go through the motions. But God wants something so much deeper than going through the motions. And you cannot live this Christian life the right way unless you take things to a deeper level. Unless you take it into a real relationship with God where it goes beyond rules and regulations into a place of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is a place where we should take our hearts. Actually, the Spirit of God in in Isaiah chapter 11, it says the Spirit of the Lord that's going to rest on him is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. What is that fear of the Lord? It's, God, I don't want to do this life apart from you. I don't want to be away from you. Lord, I know I need you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus is the truth. And we should recognize that. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I don't want to try to do this life on my own. I tried that before. It's so unsatisfying. It's not good. I don't want that lifestyle. I want to live in the higher ways of God. So, Lord, I want to do this life with you. I no longer want to do it on my own. I don't want to do it in my own strength, trying to figure everything out on my own. God, I don't want to trust in the arm of the flesh. I want to find my strength in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hallelujah. To live a life beyond what I could accomplish on my own. To live a life that brings glory to the Father. A life that bears much fruit. Hallelujah. 
When you start to live in that place where you realize all my whole life comes from my relationship with God and I know that I need him. And he's the only thing that satisfies. When you finally get that understanding that there's no drug that gets you high enough. And there's not enough riches that will make you feel good enough. There's no relationship that will ever satisfy you. That everything that you need and everything that's satisfied is only found in your creator, the king of glory. You were created for him. You were created to worship him and live in intimate union with the king of glory. Everything else will leave you wanting. But if you are there... Everything could be crashing around you and you could have peace and joy and confidence. Hallelujah. No guilt in life and no fear in death. Hallelujah. Where you're living, shining like Jesus. When you come on the scene, you're bringing answers. You're bringing wisdom. You're bringing insight. You're not worried about tomorrow because you know you serve a faithful God and he's already been there. He's already got it all planned out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 25, 14 in the, in the TPT. Psalms 25, 14, there it is. It says, There is a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near Him and receive the revelation secrets of His promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that one was sticking out to you for a while, Dad. I think in the King James. Hallelujah. There is a place. And it's found for those who honor God and they fear him. And they're like, Lord, I don't want to do this life without you. You're not just going to be my Sunday morning God. But you are God in and through all of my life. Those people begin to see things that other people can't see. And God begins to reveal his secrets to them. The secret promises of his covenant. Of this relationship with him. And he begins to show you everything that is affected in your life by this and how you will affect everything around you when you walk in the light of this covenant bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, as a teenager, when I really started going all in for Jesus, I was, I was sick of just worshiping God on Sunday and then living and acting like my friends throughout the week. I made a decision. I said, you know what? I don't want to go a moment without thinking about the Lord. I want to keep my mind on him. I want to think about the Lord all the time. And so going from class to class, I'd be praying in the spirit under my breath. As I'm sitting in class, thank you, Lord, you're here with me. Thank you, Lord. I want to be aware of you. I want to honor you. I had to separate myself from some friendships because I found out when I hung out with them, I was saying the same jokes they were. And it was not clean. And I was like, I, you know what? I got to break myself off from that right now. I had to cut off some things in my life. Like Pastor Mark was talking about on Sunday. He said, you know, if your eye causes you to sin or your hand causes you to sin, you got to cut it off. you got to do with these things that are keeping you from walking close to God. These things that are distracting you from Him. These things that are keeping you from that close, intimate relationship. He's saying you got to cut those things off. Not, not literally plucking out your eye, but maybe some of the things that you're looking at, you got to take that and take it outside of your room. you got to go ahead and uh, if you're having a hard time... Um, watching videos all night or you're shopping too much or whatever you got to take the device shut it off put it away and say lord i'm going to spend time with you i got to cut some things off because it's robbing my time with god you know if you think you're too busy to spend time with god you might just find your time get freed up and maybe it's not the way that you wanted it (laughs) because you won't last you won't last 
You know, the Bible says the enemy comes for the word's sake. A lot of people at Ramah, they didn't last. They didn't make it all the way to the end. They would constantly say during first year, this is a two-year program. You guys, two years, how many? One, two. And then a lot of people, they didn't even make it through the first year. Come Christmas break, they never came back. And then after the first year, after summer break, a lot of people didn't come back. Why? They're hearing all this word. They're hearing all this truth. And then when the enemy comes to test it, when he comes for the word's sake, they had no root. And so it was like the scorching sun pouring out on it. And because it had no root, it dried up. Or the birds come and they pluck up that seed from the ground. So were of the seed, right? They didn't last. If you don't have a real relationship with God, but you just think this is head knowledge and formula, life will test you and you will not stand the test. Jesus said, what shall I liken the person to who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice? That person is like someone who built their house on a rock. The storm raged against it. The wind and the waves pounded on it and it withstood because it was built on a rock because they were doers of the word. But what shall I liken the person to who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice? They're like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And when the wind blew against it and the waves came upon it, it fell and the Bible says, and Jesus says, great was its fall. The same storm came to both, but only one stood. And that was the one who lived the word. And you live the word by the power of the spirit. By a relationship with the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Let me see. I have so much that I want to share with you guys. I'm going to skip around a little bit. So just stick with me, okay? But I want to get to a point. David knew what it was like to live in the fear of the Lord. He lived a life where he honored God at the expense of what it could cost his own life. He honored God so much that even the king that was trying to kill him, King Saul, he had the opportunity to take King Saul's life, but he honored God and did not take his life two different times. He could have taken King Saul's life and he would have been king in his place. But he said, no, you know what? He's in God's hands. I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Even though he might have not respected the man, he respected the anointing that was upon him. That's how much he respected God. Even though it could cost him his own life by letting this person continue to live, who was hunting him down, he honored God. In the lowest place of his life, when all of his, when his wives and his children were taken away and all the people that were with him had everything stolen away from him and his own men are talking about stoning him and killing him at Ziglag, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he didn't just presume, I'm going to go get revenge. He said, Lord, do I pursue? He sought God. He honored the Lord with his decisions. And that showed he had the fear of the Lord. He wasn't just doing something on his own in the arm of the flesh. He was honoring God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Or Proverbs chapter 3, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. David honored God. He pursued, he overtook, and he recovered all. Shortly after that, he did step into the kingship. He became king. But when he was king, he got puffed up with pride for a little while. You know, sometimes we can have victory in the beginning. We start going hard for God. And then life starts to come together. And we start to get a footing in life. And maybe we start getting a little bit of money. And we have some... uh, We have our relationships, we have our marriage, our life seems settled in a way, and we could get comfortable in that place. 
And we could still go to church, but we stop living that life that's all in for God. We start to forget that the Lord is the strength of my life and my portion forever. We start to forget that all my fountains are in Him. We start to forget that one thing have I desired and this one thing I will seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord to inquire in His temple and to gaze upon the Lord and His beauty. We start to lose sight of our first love. And in that place of compromise and complacency, sin could try to get in there and destroy everything. And David, during the time when kings went to war, he didn't go. And he stays back in his palace and he's looking over. What does he see? He sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof. I don't know why she was bathing on the roof. But she's bathing on the roof. David sees her and he wants her and he takes her. Bathsheba is a married woman. She's married to an honorable man, Uriah. David takes her, sleeps with her. She sends word back to the king. Guess what? I'm pregnant. David, oh no, I got to cover this up. So he goes, he calls Uriah back from the war. He goes, hey, you know, man, how's it going on the front line? Or how you doing over there? How's, how's it going? How's this? How's that? Come with me. You know, let's sit down. Let's drink. Let's drink. And David gets him drunk. He just keeps on filling up his cup. Come on, just a little more. Just another, Come on, just a toast to this, toast to that. All right, go ahead, go, go spend some time with your wife. But Uriah is an honorable man. He goes and he doesn't even go home. He just sleeps outside. And then David's like, what's going on? He calls him back in the next day. Why didn't, why didn't you go home and, and be comforted with your wife? Why not go have a good time? He goes, how could I do such a thing when the armies of the kingdom are out there giving their lives? How could I go home and have pleasure myself? Man, this guy's too righteous. So David has him come over again, gets him drunk again, sends him out, hoping this time, all right, he can't control himself. That was, that was some strong drink right there. He's got to go home to his lady. But again, he stays out. He doesn't go. And so David goes, well, now, now I got a problem. So David writes a letter. Hey, Joab, go ahead and take this guy, Uriah, and put him on the front lines where the battle is the most intense. And push forward. Make sure he doesn't come out of this alive. Rolls it up, puts a seal on it. And you know who he hands it to to deliver the message? He gives it to Uriah himself. Because he knows he's an honorable man. He won't even open it. And he's carrying his own death sentence. And it plays out just like David wanted it to. Uriah goes and he serves on the front lines and gives his life for his country. And then David takes Bathsheba to be his own wife. All right, I got away with it. He just committed adultery and murder. This man who feared the Lord at one time. Now he's on top and he doesn't think he needs to fear anybody. And then Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him in his sin. And he tells him a story. And he says, hey, there was this guy and he had this one lamb and it was his only lamb. And man, this lamb used to eat from his own table. But then this other guy who had a ton of sheep, he goes, I want to take that lamb and I want to sacrifice it and have a, have a meal with my friends. And David goes, that man should die. And Nathan goes, you are the man. <sighs> Cut. He is convicted right there. But one thing about David, he knew how to repent. 
He knew how to go from going this way to turn and to turn to the Lord. When he was caught in his sin, he turned to God. And he wrote a psalm. And that psalm is Psalms 51. And he writes in there in Psalms 51 in verse 11. And he says, God, cast me not away from your presence, Lord. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Lord, I can't do it without you. He goes through, he, he begins to say, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. God, I can't live this life without you. Lord, I repent. What I did was wrong. Lord, I turn to you in sackcloth and ashes, God. Have mercy on me and forgive me. And please don't leave me alone. God, don't leave me alone. You know what your sin will do? Your sin will separate you from God. And you're going to find yourself living in your own strength. And you're going to find yourself alone. And you will not be satisfied. And you will not be comforted. And everything around you will fall apart. Because you were not meant to do this alone. That sin affected the rest of David's life. A lot of hardship came out of it. God forgave him. But sometimes there there's still consequences that follow. When we do some things in life. And he saw several of his children die and be killed. He had the kingdom almost taken away from him by his own son. A lot of things followed from this sin. But, it's, but at least he knew how to turn his heart back to God. And then in the end, you know, he ends up having a Solomon. Solomon's the one who built the temple, right? God restored him and God had mercy on him. There's a scripture in Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus is speaking to the last church. Jesus is speaking to several churches in Revelation. And he's speaking to these people who have become comfortable. And they say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth, and I need nothing. And Jesus says, you don't realize that you're naked and poor. You're wretched and blind. You don't realize how depraved you are. And he's speaking to the church. And he says, I counsel you to come to me and get gold refined by the fire. To get a robe, a white robe of righteousness to cover your shameful nakedness because you're living just like the world. And to get salve for your eyes because you've been blinded by this world system living just like them. And he goes, come to me. He goes, those that I love, I correct. And he says, if you will come back, he says this, he's speaking to the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door to me, he says, then I will come in and I will have a feast with them. You know what he wants? He wants intimacy. He wants closeness. If you've been living far from God and your lifestyle has not been honorable to him and you feel like I've gone too far, God restored David when David had committed adultery and murder. Jesus is speaking to the church right there and they're full of pride. One of the worst things that will get you into all different kinds of sin. And he's saying, I'm still standing at the door of your heart. I'm still knocking. And if you will open up the door and you will let me in, then I will come in and I'm going to change your whole life around and you're going to experience peace again and you're going to have joy and you're going to have confidence and I'm going to restore you and I will raise you up. You will be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We serve a good God who is full of grace and mercy. And He wants you to reflect Him here in the earth. There are some areas that I wanted to get to tonight. We didn't quite get there, you guys. 
But maybe they'll have me back sometime. Maybe I'll be able to finish this message. But I believe what was shared tonight was for the ones in this room. Be sure to check your heart. David said this in the Psalms. Lord, search my heart and try my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I don't want to do this life in my own way, even if I think I'm doing it right. Lord, bring your correction because I just want to honor you with my life. I want to do life with you. I want to think your thoughts. I want to feel your feelings, God. I want to experience what you are experiencing. I want to laugh when you laugh. Lord, I want to cry when you cry, mighty God. I want you all up in my life, mighty King. And I want to be filled with your life, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your word that went out tonight, Lord. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you help us, Lord, to set our focus right, Lord, to keep first things first and to keep you as the priority of our life, even when we get comfortable, Father God. I pray, Lord, that we would always keep you on the throne of our heart, that we would honor you and not withhold anything from you, God. I pray that you would search us and that you would know us, God. Try our hearts. See if there is any wicked way within us and lead us in the way everlasting, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and show us your higher ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.